This is Fluid Truth, and I'm attorney Shirley Skyers Thomas. We explore a simple question of whether there is equity in the justice system. The content offered in this segment is personal reflection and interpretation. The views of my guests are not necessarily the views of Fluid Truth or Quinnipiac University. For clarity, this conversation is being edited. I'm pleased to introduce Dr. Nimbin A. Watara as my guest today. Dr. Watara is a Fulbright Scholar from the Ivory Coast. He is currently an Associate Professor of History and International Studies at Brunel University in Gainesville, Georgia. He is interested in the how of everything. I appreciate that Dr. Watara has chosen to share his story here with us at Fluid Truth. My name is Nimbin Albert Watara. So said my traditional way, it will be Nimbin Albert Watara. I did not pick those names, but I have enjoyed the journey of each one of them. What's in the name? Shakespeare asked. Everything I say. My names are libraries of feelings. Feelings of joy, pain, growth, power. These are all feelings I have experienced with each one of my names. When I say my my names are libraries of feelings, well, the feeling of joy, you know, uh, is where I would start. I was overjoyed when I learned as a young man what my name means. Apparently, my father married my mother who was not from my village, from his village, if you will. Uh, This move attracted the ire of his family. When I was born, they both named me Nyenbeer, Nimbin for the Americans. Well, it means if whatever I do pleases God, then no human acrimony matters. You know, so basically my father had said, well, he loved my mother. If he'd married my mother and other people did not uh, accept that, as long as he was doing the right thing and following his heart, that's all that mattered. And I was so excited to hear that my name was so deeply connected to them and to a feeling, you know, uh, between them, between my mother and my father. Well, I cherished that, or I continue to cherish that all my life, but I was introduced to the feeling of pain in high school. In high school, we used the professors used to call the role and they would say your entire name. So mine would be Nyembe Albert Watar. And for those who may not know, Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire, my native country, former colony of France. And so in high school, when the professors called the role, 
I was surprised on on break when we we got out that a few of my classmates, you know, came to me and were laughing, ha ha ha, like your your name is Albert. I'm like, what's what's wrong with that? Uh, this is uh, an old French name, and that if your parents are no civilized parents would name their son Albert. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it it was a surprise to me. It was a it was a shock to me. It pained me that a foreign name, uh, in this case a French name, was used to degrade me and my family. That is my father and my mother who who had all me a beautiful story with Nimbin. And I'm like, wow. So now my African name brought joy, the European name brought pain. Uh, that was my first encounter uh, with both feelings. And then in July 2001, I received a Fulbright scholarship. Uh, I went to Georgia State university and as an international student when you arrive you have to um, meet with your international advisors international student advisors and one of these advisors an african-american with whom i really connected so well but i was surprised that she advised me uh, to uh, change my name you know, from Albert, she said um, she does not want my professors, you know, to leave me out of the conversations in class, uh, especially if they need to call on you uh, for something, for participation or interaction in class. She was afraid that Nimbin might be hard to say, you know, by these professors and by implication might handicap me in the classroom. And I said, wow, okay, interesting. I was, of, of course, excited to be in the United States, you know, and to, to study. Uh, so it wouldn't be a simple name reversal, you know, that will, will be a, hand, a hurdle. Uh, but the emotions that I had felt in high school, you know, flowed again. And I was like, wow. Uh, in high school, although my friends made fun of me, this was my middle name. But now it's going to become my first name. In other words, the ridicule will be brought forward. But I was like, I am in the United States. This might be a different understanding, you know, because this international advisor, uh, there was nothing in our interaction and conversation that showed that she was setting me up for more ridicule or for more, uh, um, I would say, pain. So as, as I said, I came in July and in September, as you can recall, September 11, uh, the terrorists uh, struck 
So when 9-11 happened, the United States quickly figured out that it was Saudi national students who had committed these odious acts. And they moved to cancel every single uh, document from an international student. And they had to reprocess um, international uh, documents and verify things again, as we're doing e-verify nowadays, you know, to employ people. Um, that's when my case became an even more painful uh, situation, a nightmare, if you will. Uh, one day I was, uh, after I moved, it was actually a Memorial Day, if you could believe it, in 2004. I had moved and cleaned my apartment and to get that uh, deposit back. And by the time I finished, it was almost like midnight. And so I was driving to my uh, new apartment and I passed a police officer who followed me almost immediately. But he followed me for more than a mile and I, I, and he wouldn't. I would even slow down, thinking he was trying to pass me, but he wouldn't pass me. And after a mile or so, then he, you know, proceeded to stop me. And that's when he informed, he asked me if I had been going to school. Uh, this is the story I told on NPR. Yeah, he he, told, he asked me if I'd been going to school. I said yes, I've been going to school. I. I submitted uh, papers on Thursday, you know, today is Sunday. So yeah, I go to Georgia State. I thought he was, um, you know, I didn't know the procedure, but I thought he was just trying to, you know, validate something. I could feel that his questions were not antagonistic, but he was just trying to confirm something. And as we were speaking, he asked me for my driver's license and everything else and went in this car and also took an awful long time in the car. Well, I'd never been pulled before, but you know, I, I found I found that odd that you know a police officer uh, would take that long, you know, just to verify uh, driver's license or something. Like that. Um, then after you know that much time, then he came back to my car and asked me again if I'd been going to school. And when I said, yes, I've been going to school, he said, well, they say you're not. I said, who are they? And that's when I overheard on the radio, uh, like he was obviously speaking to a supervisor or somebody uh, who I think I overheard saying, well, if you're not sure, you better, you know, book him. And as I explained, tired as I was uh, from moving, from cleaning up my apartment and moving, here I am. He explains to me that uh, for some reason, they say I have not been going to school. So there is a, a warrant for my arrest. Warrant? He, he said, well, I have to, to book you. 
because if there's a warrant, I, I mean, from the little law that I had read, I would have been notified of the warrant. Uh, uh, at least that would have been the first thing I was supposing he would have told me. Uh, but because he was, he started with classes and so on, I found it uh, like real odd. Um, and he said, I'm sorry, I have to book you. I said, okay. So he, he took me to the back of his uh, patrol car and took me to the DeKalb County Jail. And that's that's the year um, there were all sorts of stories in Afghanistan about, you know, these uh, American soldiers with the prisoners and so on. But what I saw horrified me in, uh, in, the, in the prison uh, because they booked me around 2 a.m. People were brought in like vomiting or bloodied or whatever. We were all in the same room uh, for processing. And, and I remember when my turn came, there's the, some officers that, um, you know, when I explained, I, you know, I'm a Fulbright scholar and so on and so forth. And they were laughing, ha ha, do, do, do you want us to call the, the president of, of Ivory Coast? And I'm like the president, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it was it was um, really terrifying and and humiliating. I think early morning they processed us. Then we we were all shackled and walked uh, into our respective cells. And this has never left me. It's it's like I've never been in prison uh, in my country. And to be in the U.S. less than three years, <laughs> you know, for something, I don't know uh, what I did. And now I'm in shackles. What had helped me cope with that has been, uh, who am I to complain about this uh, maybe five minute shackles, you know, when my ancestors in the United States uh, were shackled, marched uh, miles on end and some even hung. So that is one that I use to say I did not deserve to, to complain just out of respect for the memory of uh, the slaves who, who suffered a lot, 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 lot more than I did. Georgia State University was, was embarrassed. You know, the, the department was was totally embarrassed and they 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 got me a, a lawyer uh from the law department and so the day the international uh, office that uh lady who had advised me of that you know was very uh helpful in redressing the situation she came with me to court to explain everything and I remember when my case was dismissed, I was almost like a celebrity in the courtroom because they, everybody was looking at me. It's like, uh, I don't know what they were there for, but I had Caucasian lawyers like by my side, and I had the international office lady on the other side, uh, plus her assistant with folders and folders. You know, praise me, 
you know, and everybody was looking at like, who's this guy, you know? So um, I was, it was very, uh, it was a, a very, very human experience because they just mean now that we have given you a scholarship and now and taken you to prison, you know, uh, what do you think about the United States? And I said, yes, you, your honor, you said it very well. The same country that gave me this unheard of opportunity to study in the United States on the Fulbright scholarship, an opportunity that not even my own country, you know, afforded me is the same country that I may think scarred me by inflicting on me this experience of imprisonment you know something that i live with for the rest of my life however i am looking at this as something i would never change because this is the human experience uh that is part of everyone's uh journey and and but i did not tell him that i that actually my friends making fun of me with the Albert, you know, in high school, had actually prepared me, you know, for, for some sort of traumatic, you know, journey ahead that I could anticipate with Albert. And even many people have asked me to change my Albert, to drop it, you know, and rename myself. I said, no, like Albert is, is part of my story in honor to my father and mother, who saw fit to give me these names, um, I, I would never change that archive, you know, if you will, to speak like a historian, you know, it is, it is my archive, you know, of life. It's no longer a traumatic experience because I have grown out of the trauma by also by now using my last name as a healing point. That is the Wataras, my last name, the, the, in the history, the Wataras were the, were the founders of the, the empire of, of Kong. So Wataras are royalty, if you will. And, and the, the name Watara comes from a place of dignity. And when they tell the story of, of our first ancestor, uh, they, they mentioned how dignified he, he was in the face of challenges and how he, he imparted that dignity, that sense of dignity on his, uh, on his descendants and said, whatever you do, you are a Watar. And, and in, our, in our village, actually, when you are young, you are Watara, you are a Nimbin for your family. But once you walk outside, if I'm walking with my father, people will call me young Watara, call my father, Father Watara. So once and even at school, wherever I am, I answer by Watara. People are confused. They're like, what is, uh, is that your first name or your last name? And I tell them, no, my, 
in my culture, when you are past 14, you answer by your last name. That is the dignity that you have to always bring to a Watara. And I even sometimes explain to my students, I say, I care about your end of semester evaluation, but the most important element that makes me want to improve every semester as an instructor is not the fear. It is rather the honor that I need to my name, to my Watara. That is, if you were to call my father, my grandfather, or my grandmother and tell her, especially my grandmother who raised me, and my grandfather, and you call her and tell her that her grandson, a Watara in the United States, is a poor teacher, that one will be a harsher evaluation and humiliation brought to the Watara name. And I can never, ever cleanse that. So that is the, the best way for me to heal wherever I am going. I consider that I am a dignified person who cannot be degraded by another person. So from my Nimbin, my first name Nimbin, to my last name Watara, there's power. That feeling of power in these two names uh, cannot allow me to be traumatized by an embarrassment, actually, by the U.S. government, because the same U.S. institutions, you know, that uh, brought me to prison are actually the same institutions that were totally embarrassed and apologized profusely to me. And the judge also apologized profusely to me. And I completed my Fulbright uh, scholarship, my, my studies at Georgia like gracefully, you know, finished with a PhD, you know. So um, I cannot trade my power for trauma. You know, that's how I, I have survived, uh, by turning this poison into elixir. listening in today. Special thanks to our producer, Michael Bachman, and executive producer, David DeRoche. Music is provided by Audio Hero from their Jazz Lounge album. To learn more about all of our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at qupodcasts. If you have a story to share or something you want to talk to us about, find us on social media or shoot us an email. That address is qupodcasts at qu.edu. On the next show, I'll be sitting down with Mr. Al Brooks, a retired New York City police officer. All right, that's it for today. Till next time.